Hey, y'all, it's Rima. So right now we're working on some new stories, but while we're away, we're re-airing a few of our favorite episodes. And this week, I am bringing you our very first episode. All right, here it is. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think you owe me money. Oh, shit, do I? The other day, I called up my friend and brought up something I'd been putting off. But I don't know, I, I like... I was going to ask you about it a while back, and then I forgot, and then I didn't actually forget. I lent her some cash while we were traveling back in December. It was a busy trip, and we just never sorted it out. Of all my friends, she is someone who'd pay me back right away, so it shouldn't be a big deal, just a silly oversight. But bringing up money, even in a context like this, is really hard for me. I mean, you can hear it in my voice. Do you owe me money? But maybe you paid me, and I just don't remember. Remember when I, the painting and like the keychains and stuff? Yes, I remember this. Um, I hope I'm not wrong though. Let me check. Rima, pay Rima back. It's on your to-do list? Oh, you know what? I didn't pay you back because I always, I keep a list of things that I owe people. Owing people money is one of my most feared things. Like any, any version of debt, I really, it scares me a lot. So you think now that we're on the same page, it'd be like this easy, quick transaction. Can you send me a Venmo request? I have the painting, the Uber, dinner, the jewelry deposit, and the jewelry delivery. No, don't put Uber and dinner. But no, I got weird again. Well, I'm telling you, that's on my list. Okay, well, it doesn't have to be on the list, is what I'm saying. I'm not going to take it off the list. It's $2, 2 $3. Yeah, I'm not going to Venmo you 2 $3. Well, for- I know. That's why I rounded it up to 100 I'm just going to put $90. I hate myself. Hey, everyone. I'm Rima Jerez, host of This is Uncomfortable, a new podcast from Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. So there are all these big romantic ideas out there about how our financial lives should unfold. And then there's the reality. Our relationship to money, to jobs, to ideas of worth and success, they're complicated, and we don't often talk about them. So on this podcast, that is what we're going to do. And I promise I'll get less weird about it. For this very first episode, I talked to this couple, Nika Geiger and Terrence McPherson. And the thing I kept thinking about as we talked, each separately, by the way, is how money kept creeping into their relationship, like this pesky third wheel. Our first date was actually going to Top Golf. It was kind of new in Atlanta. And so it was Terrence's idea. I'm a terrible golfer. Top Golf is this chain of driving ranges, but it's like driving range meets flashy nightclub. So when Nika shows up for her date, she's like, whoa. So in my head, I'm like, this date could end up being like $200. That's kind of a lot. He's paying for the Top Golf. So, you know, let me be a good date and offer to pay for the food and the first round of drinks. Do you think he was as conscious of how much y'all were spending that day? I don't think he was. No, the price really didn't come to mind that much. Now, she didn't know quite how much I was making, but I was doing very well for my age bracket. The two met a few weeks ago at a friend's party, and they hit it off right away, dancing and talking about how they were both applying to business school at UCLA. Terrence is a consultant. Nika works in marketing. They had a lot to talk about. 
So the first date was great from like a conversation standpoint, but... We did not see eye to eye on a lot of different topics. We ended up having conversations on chivalry and whether it was an antiquated idea to open a woman's door versus, you know, treating people as equals. I was like, oh, so I guess you don't open doors. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, I think that's an antiquated practice. Mm, but that really bothered you. Yeah, I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? I believed very strongly in um, relationship equality. So to me, it was, oh, if I start opening doors, then I'm more likely to start looking at you as an object rather than a person with their own autonomy and abilities. And then the debates continue. They move from chivalry to parenting to their ideal life partners. I was very adamant that I did not want to stay at home, Mom. Uh, the way I articulated at the time was like, I don't think they'd be able to provide as much value and intellectually challenge me. And she provided some very good points across from that, like just because they're not working in a traditional job doesn't mean that they're not engaged in something that can challenge you. I definitely left the date not necessarily thinking that Terrence was going to become my boyfriend. I'm thinking, well, there's a good chance that this isn't going to go any further, but it doesn't cost me anything to keep texting her. <laughs> So um, the texting kind of continued. He was great at, like, keeping the conversation going. And I was surprised that, oh, she's actually responding about the same rate that she did before these debates happened. So um, let's continue to pursue this. Terrence is someone who has his financial shit together. But really, he has his parents to thank for that. He grew up in an upper-middle-class family in Maryland and graduated from college completely debt-free. At a young age, his parents advised him to invest his money, so with the help of their credit, he bought a condo straight out of college. He's also just one of those people who thinks ahead, like way ahead. I want to be, have about $2 million in net assets uh, by, let's say, 45. Wow. And Terrence has a very specific idea of the kind of partner he wants. There was a song uh, by Neo, which is called Miss Independent, Part two is the one I prefer, I but the song. whole thing, yes, there was a line was, a woman that wants but doesn't need me. And that was something that I found very attractive and valuable. And Nika could hold her own. She called me on my BS. So to be not only beautiful, but also have something challenging and intelligent and really forward thinking to say, I think was really what made me more attracted to her than just her looks. One thing that I was looking for in a prospective partner is somebody who also brought some financial stability to the table. He had no idea about my financial situation. When you ask Nika to describe herself, one of the first words she uses is independent. Another way you could describe her at this point? In debt. Her upbringing was pretty different from Terrence. She grew up in a middle-class family in Ohio. Her parents didn't have college degrees, and she definitely had to take out loans to go to school. She graduated from the University of Notre Dame with $40,000 in loans. And she didn't feel like 40 k was that much until they finally came due. It wasn't until, you know, you graduate and then they kind of start calling and knocking and sending letters like, so you're going to have to run us this money. And mm. about then is when I was like, okay, whoa, that, that is a lot of money. But that's not something she brings up with Terrence. She doesn't even really share that with her family. My younger sister is, like, my best friend, so she knows um, a lot of it, but, um, but not, not a whole, whole lot. 
Plus, it's still early in Terrence and Nika's relationship. At this point, you're talking about what you were like in middle school or how you just had another annoying conversation with your mom, not what's in your bank account. After a couple months, they hear back from business schools, and they don't get into any of the same schools. Terrence heads to Berkeley in California, and Nika goes to the opposite coast, to the University of North Carolina. For a while, they keep things open and just stay in touch. While there were interesting people in business school, what we were seeing in business school just didn't beat what we already had. I woke up one morning and I was like, I, I just don't feel single anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I technically am, and I technically have the ability to go on all these dates, but I just don't feel it. I'm ready to be all in. Let's do this thing. And it's then, when they're thousands of miles apart and totally officially together, that money starts to creep into their relationship. At this point, Nika starts to open up to Terrence about her finances, but not a lot. I don't think he knew amounts, but I think he knew at least that I had student loans from undergrad. She takes out more loans. By winter, her money for the first semester is nearly gone. I um, wasn't even going to be able to go home for Christmas that year. I was, like, watching what I eat. I was not buying anything new. You know, I'm feeling very, very broke. And Terrence would kind of joke about, man, but I'm broke right now. And I was like, sir, you have thousands of dollars in the bank. I get that you want to adopt the broke mindset. But when I say broke, we don't mean the same thing. Terrence, he's got savings in the bank. He's got money coming in from renting his condo. My level of broke was I may not be able to go with my classmates who decided they wanted to do a three-day weekend in in Argentina and quote-unquote ball out with my friends. I was like, oh, oh, okay, all right. My broke is $30 in the bank, and, you know, I've got to fill up my tank and figure out food until I get this next paycheck. It really made me pause and reflect on the words I've been using, the way that I've been expressing how much money I have. And I think a lot of it is because we as a culture don't talk about money as transparently as we should. And so I didn't want to broach those grounds. And so I just assumed. It was one of the first conversations where we were honest about, you know, our financial states. Well, sort of. Nika still didn't reveal just how much debt she's in. At that point, I knew that when I graduated from business school, it was going to be at around the 100K mark. Wow. But she wasn't going to tell Terrence that. The amount can seem pretty huge so that, you know, I don't want it to necessarily be, like, intimidating to anybody, you know, because I was in more debt than, you know, a lot of people make in a year. And Terrence wasn't going to ask her how much. I knew she had debt. I knew she had a good amount of debt. I did not know the exact dollar amount. Hmm. And did you ever think to ask her? No, uh, I really didn't. I didn't want to touch a topic that might be very sensitive for somebody. At that point, Terrence decides to have a convo about moving things to the next level. So towards the end of business school, we had a conversation about what we were going to do from there. I was happy to move to whatever city she was in. So to me, it just made logical sense that we move in together. 
I was absolutely against living with a significant other before I got engaged. It kind of binds you artificially almost with a person who you haven't committed, you know, to spend your life with. However, again, trying to think of the long term, I ask her, um, would you still hold that opinion if we made an arrangement where we move in together? I will cover the rent and the money that you would have spent on rent, you put down towards your loans. And that had to give me pause. If she could just focus on paying off her loans, that would be huge. So Nika starts doing the math. I am really considering, you know, what is the value of this stance? Uh, What is that worth? Because in a year's time, I could pay, you know, $12,000, $15,000 on my loans if I didn't have to pay rent. It's a lot of money. And so she thinks the only way she'd go through with this is if she starts saving money on the side, a kind of emergency nest egg. You know, if I'm having to move out six months from now at the drop of a dime, I want to be able to sign a lease the next day. So after weeks of thinking it through, she decides to push aside some pretty long-held values. I ultimately made the decision that um, it was worth it to put me in a more comfortable financial place. And we had the agreement that if he pays the rent, I still handle the bulk of the bills. So at least if I covered all that, you know, it was a mutually beneficial situation. I guess, uh, to quote the godfather, I made an offer she couldn't refuse. And that is how we decided to live together. Oh, they saved money on rent. How romantic. Coming up after the break, what it feels like when Terrence has all the money and a lot of the power. It's the summer of 2017, and Nika gets a marketing job in Dallas, and Terrence transfers there to do his consulting work. They move into a two-bedroom, two-bath apartment just north of the city. Neither are big on decor, but it's got what they need. A TV, a black leather sectional couch. And living together is an adjustment. They go from seeing each other every few weeks to sharing a closet. Terrence likes things organized. Nika doesn't mind a little chaos. And while Nika washes her clothes once a month, Terrence likes doing it every week. At least they each had their own bathroom. That was non-negotiable. Okay, so y'all are living together in this apartment. Uh, What did managing money look like exactly for you two? Shortly after we started, we'd kind of sat down and made a budget. So we have a shared Google spreadsheet. You know, if I pay for A, B, and C, then I might only have, you know, this flexible amount per month, whereas you have this flexible amount per month. Okay, well, let's shift it to where, you know, I pay this and and then you own this much. It feels like so much work. (laughs) Yeah, work. (laughs) It is a lot of work. Okay, so a lot of couples keep a budget, but Nika and Terrence, they have this whole ritual around it. Yeah, we just sit on the living room, play some music. We probably put on something like slow, some type of 90s R&B that's just kind of in the background. So it'll probably be Babyface or Tony Braxton. Those are kind of my go-tos. Gotcha. They pull up their household spreadsheet. Light a candle. Maybe <laughs> even get a glass of wine if we thought it'd be a long convo. So and romantic. we'd open, I know, right? Uh, date night, no. Uh, but 
have um, usually just one computer open, even though it was a shared Google Doc, and um, and worked through it. Like, you know, Shanika, how much do you think you'll spend a month on your hair? <laughs> um, you know, even <laughs> that's a conversation. Um, my budget for hair is, I think, $100 a month. Oh, nice. And my budget for nails is like 150 a month. I was very surprised by some of those numbers. I did not know the maintenance cost of being a woman. Whenever tensions start to rise and I feel like we're getting a little bit heated, it's like, okay, let's take a sip. Let's move on to something else. Terrence actually likes this stuff. And it drains me of every bit of energy that I have. They're talking so openly about spending and budgets, but Nika is still keeping the level of her debt a secret. She feels like he doesn't need to know the dollar amount. When Nika starts her new job, she knows it'll be a few weeks before her first paycheck, so she's broke. And Terrence, who had some stocks he'd cashed out, plus his savings and his credit card, ends up initially paying for a lot. It came down to every time we're eating, Terrence is kind of paying. Or, you know, if we're going to go out to eat or we're making that decision together, it's really his call because it's kind of his money. So he's deciding when to eat out, when to buy things. He'll be like, oh, we have to cut back, or we can only spend this much. And then there might be another time that I come home and Terrence is like, oh, yeah, well, I went to the movies. And it's like, okay, cool, but, like, yesterday we couldn't afford to go out to eat. But today, you know, you're just unilaterally going to the movies. I can't unilaterally go to the movies because I have to ask you because I don't have any money in the bank right now. But to Terrence, it's a little different. Every now and then, let me just go see a movie by myself. This is something that's going to enable me to, you know, just kind of fully refresh and just honestly make a selfish decision. And I'm like, wait, you say you want to be partners and you say you want it to be an us and a we, but then at these times, at certain times when it benefits you, the eyes come out or the mind comes out. I get it. Tanika, it's not like she feels obligated to his money. She just wants to feel like he's on her team, that he'll make decisions that'll benefit both of them. So Terrence, he hears all of this and decides to do something that Nika does not expect. He offers to put a chunk of his paycheck towards her loans each payday. I thought it was important for me to also contribute to that because, one, it's a show that you're somebody I value and somebody I would like to invest in. But two, I want you to have that freedom that I get to enjoy every day. He's in love, and they're moving forward in the relationship. So to him, this makes perfect sense, and he can afford it. Anika, she's super appreciative of what he's offering, but it also makes her kind of uncomfortable. Part of it is a gender dynamic. You know, she doesn't want to be that trope of a woman relying on a man to take care of her. She'd always seen her debt as her problem. Also, what if he ends up resenting her? Remember, they're just dating. Like, look, Terrence, if we don't work out, I don't want you to be bitter. I don't want you to feel like, you know, I used you in any way. It's something that she feels super torn about and something she wants to talk about with her friends to get their advice, but she doesn't. Like, how do you go and complain, like, my man wants to put money on my loans and I don't know if I want him to. <laughs> you know, like, is, can you really, you have to be really close to somebody to be able to share that with him. Plus, Nika had always considered herself private and principled. And already, she'd left some pretty big principles behind. Part of it was, like, the perception shift of, like, Shanika, who went to, oh, I'm never going to live with anybody unless I'm engaged. And mm. you went from there to living before you got engaged, and he's paying the rent. Like, <laughs> okay, girl, what happened there? So she thinks it over. But let me take a big step back here. Personally, I don't think I could make the offer Terrence did. 
I'd worry that I'd always be calculating whether the relationship is worth how much I'm putting down. But Terrence, he has his own take. What I do think is that in the case that we do end up breaking up, one, I can safely say and emotionally feel that I put the best I could in this relationship and I loved her the best that I could. I, I supported her the best that I could. But two, it would also make a really great story for when I get back in the dating game. So, <laughs> you know, that is more so how I rationalize and I look at that, that investment in her. Wait, so just so I'm clear, you're like, okay, I'm investing this much in this woman. And if even if we break up, I can go back in the dating field and be like, this is how I treated my former partner. Yep. I'm going to say it's a little weird to hear Terrence talk about his relationship like it's a stock, but go on. There's a, uh, a trope that's named after. It's called a, a Xanatos gambit, and it's effectively Wait, saying no matter—I know I'm getting into all sorts of crazy territory. It's called a <laughs> Xanatos gambit, and it effectively is saying no matter what outcome something plays out, you win. And so that's how I looked at the situation. What is that? Is that something that everyone knows that I just don't know about? Sure. Xanatos comes from, and this is where the nerd side comes in, it, it was the name of a villain and a— cartoon called Gargoyles, and <laughs> it was a little bit complex, but effectively, he would always craft plans that if the heroes defeated him, he still won. Don't worry. Everything's going according to plan. So yeah, in Terrence's mind, he's going to be fine no matter what. He promises Nika he's not going to be petty or hold it over her, and so she agrees. And Terrence sets it up so his bank automatically puts 100 bucks toward her loans each pay period. A few months later, he bumps that up to 250 If you haven't noticed, Nika and Terrence love rooting things in numbers and calculations. And that extends way beyond just money stuff. They've created this whole system. It's got a name and everything. So the partner model is a, it's like our guiding star. We try to think about what's going to maximize the relationship good. There's a way to make deals where actively everyone benefits. It's not a zero-sum game. And we use that from anywhere from finances to are we going to get spaghetti or tie tonight? Like oh, wow. we will literally, we'll partner model any of it. So interesting that y'all have terms for it. Sounds so economic. It is. That's what happens when two people are dating who went to business school. But yeah, like a lot of it is like, okay, uh, how strongly do you feel like pasta tonight? All right, I'm like 65% on pasta. I might say, all right, I'm really only at 55% tie. I could just get it another time. So it's all about valuations, right? I know this sounds really strange. I've never explained this to anybody. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing. Um, a relationship is just so, you know, in theory, supposed to be romantic and passionate, and it's all about feelings, and and you're making it very cold and calculated in a way. Yeah, um, we quantify almost everything. If we get into an argument, okay, you know, you're not the happiest with me, but what percentage are you at? If someone is, like, not listening to you or, you know, being completely unreasonable, then you can just say, okay. I'm going to invoke the partner model right now, and I just need you to do this. That is, like, the line that you do not cross, the thing that always has to be upheld. So, yeah, like I said, same language. They realize that if they're both going to be in this together, they're going to have to make sacrifices to make both of them happy. And Terrence, he starts noticing this shift within himself. Like, I'm taking her considerations into mind. I'm making decisions that, you know, single Terrence might have made a different decision. Relationship Terrence is making the one that I'm making, and I feel f comfortable. I feel happy with that decision. 
So one night, Terrence takes Nika out to dinner, and he pulls out a ring. Nika starts crying as her whole family walks into the room to surprise her. It's this really beautiful moment. It's a few months after they're engaged when they decide to see a premarital counselor, you know, just to make sure they're on the same page about everything, especially when it comes to money. Because even though they've figured out a lot of their stuff, there were still things they hadn't talked about yet. And now they're going to do it in front of a stranger. We sit on the couch. There's always, you know, one too many pillows. And she has like this really plush, uh, I I love it, I should probably buy one, this really plush cover that I was always like trying to lay on. Uh, We go through the pleasantries and the niceties and all those things. She gives us water and, you know, we're just kind of chatting. The counselor then gives them each this piece of paper and asks them to write down how they handle finances and how they think their partner handles them. Nika lists out her loans, her emergency savings pot, how she budgets. And then the therapist turns to her and asks, It still feels like you have some reservations financially. Like, what is the reason for that? You guys have been engaged for a couple months, but you still have this savings pot that you felt like is there just in case. And what's still having you kind of hold on to that, you know? Nika gets quiet. There's a clock to the left of us on a stand that has a very distracting tick to it. I was definitely super nervous, you know, getting hot, sipping my water. Asking about the money that she's holding on to, it unleashes all the worries that have been weighing on Nika. And I was just honest about, you know, well, I do feel like I'm in a slightly disadvantaged position. Terrence will talk about, like, you know, being able to invest in a property or invest in this company. And I'm not really in that position yet because I have so many student loans. And we're even planning for a wedding. Like, it even felt like that was weighing on me, too. Like, how am I going to spend thirty dollars or $40,000 on a wedding Mm -hmm. and I'm $100,000 in debt? Like, who does that? Right. This conversation was the first time she lays out exactly how much debt she has. And for all their workarounds and spreadsheets, that amount is going to impact any big life decisions. So she tells Terrence. I feel like I'm not in a position to start saving for kids in kids' colleges when I'm still paying for college. That's something Nika had been wanting to say, but she felt guilty. I mean, Terrence had already been paying her loans. I didn't want to be unfair or unreasonable sharing that concern because, you know, it was his money and he had worked hard for it. And this was my student loan debt. And in not every marriage does, you know, the person who doesn't have any debt pay that. After I said my piece, then, of course, she tossed it to him. Like, okay, Terrence, and hearing that from Shanika, you know, how does that make you feel? My response in that moment was I didn't necessarily want kids any faster, so I agreed with that decision. But the problem was that she was feeling not as great about her financial situation as I did, and that was affecting her decision-making. So now it is both of our responsibility to figure out a way to deal with it. Do you remember what it felt like when you walked outside of that office? Yeah, because the breeze is hitting me, and I'm feeling Mm. like, you know, the different sweat spots, like under my boobs, under my arms. (laughs) But it felt like there was a bit of a a, a weight off um, me when Mm. we were leaving. Nika wants to start a family by the time she's 33. But between undergrad and grad, she still has like $85,000 of debt. But as we start to crunch the numbers and look at her loans, the amount of money that we were both contributing to it would not get her debt-free by that time horizon that made sense. 
And that's when Terrence makes a huge gesture. The only way for us realistically to get to this debt-free state in about two years is for me to just drop a lump sum money on it. And what if, you know, what if we put $20,000 on it right now? And I'm like, wait, huh? Did he think he was being serious? I didn't know at first when he said it, because I was yeah. thinking, like, I don't have $20,000 in the bank. We know this. <laughs> Terrence had just sold his condo, and he was going to put it toward investments. He says that's what selfish Terrence wanted. But in that moment, he thought about the partner model. You know, what would be best for the two of them? It's kind of looking at different ways that my life could go and picking which universe I want to make. So while this 20000 could be another step towards becoming this millionaire on the timescale that I wanted to, the other universe I could make is where I'm maybe not a millionaire, but we're debt-free and building something together. That was actually the, the universe I wanted to make. So that's what he does. He offers to put down $20,000 towards her loans. It just kind of, like, blew me away initially. You know, I never asked. I never anticipated. Um, that's something that I never even thought to hope for. Nika also puts down her own money from that emergency pot, about $6,000. For a long time, Nika planned to pay off her debt by herself, no matter how long it took, without telling anyone. But after going through it all, finally being open with Terrence about all her fears and her debt, things are different. It's the shift from being a single person to being truly in a partnership. It did have me realize that if you find somebody who is willing to work with you, then you can do more and you can get further faster. And how there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing weak about that. I think that's kind of what has changed in me. Once they pay off those loans... We'll be super excited, maybe take a shot or, you know, ting our champagne glasses the day we do it once we're done. And then they'll be facing a new expense, one that's decades long and seemingly endless. Kids. Kids? Oh, gosh, kids. Just be copy and pasted into, you know, a savings account for the kid. That's funny because it's actually a literal copy and paste for you all with the spreadsheet. Literally. Literally, we'll probably just change the line. <laughs> it's just a continuity of lifestyle. Yep. Maybe you'll do it in the same way. Yes, it'll be in the living room with wine and a candle and some music playing in the background. That's the drill. If you want to get in touch, you can follow me on Twitter at Rima Jerez or email us at uncomfortable at marketplace.org. Also, if you like the episode, please rate and review us. Believe it or not, this stuff actually really matters. This is Uncomfortable is produced by me, Rima Jerez, Haley Hirschman, and Peter Balanon-Rosen. Megan Dietry is our senior producer. Charlton Thorpe is our technical director. Editing by Sarah Kramer. Satara Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. Deborah Clark is the senior vice president and general manager. Theme music is by Wonderly. Also, special thanks to Eliza Mills, Sarah Menendez, Donna Tam, Allison Vermeulen, Annika Houston, Tony Wagner, Luis Carlos, Stephen Beyond, and Jonathan Hirsch. This is Uncomfortable is funded in part by the Cy Sims Foundation, which supports advances in education, scientific research, and the arts. 